Hello and welcome to another episode of Accessible Airways on CGSW 9.9 FM. This program is dedicated to the education and exploration of disabled life. Giving voice to the life and experience of people with disabilities. We cover a wide array of issues and disabilities. We are people who discuss issues we are passionate about. And topics we are interested in. We show how disability is in, in the, the mind, mind of the beholder. I'm your host, Adam Cairns. What does accessible gaming mean to us? It's simply allowing as many people as possible to enjoy video games. Developers can make software additions like high contrast backgrounds, such as the Ratchet and Clank PS5 game. They desaturate the background and leave key elements like enemies in solid, solid shades of color to help them to stand out. Contrast options include shaders for the hero, allies, items, and enemies with 10 color choices. There were a slew of accessibility settings in The Last of Us Part 2. Sound cues let players know that they are walking up to a ledge, enemies ping like sonar, and the game could narrate every bit of text on screen. Or for the hardware accessibility features, Xbox games allow you to use an adaptive controller with different buttons and different settings to use. And this isn't a third-party controller. Microsoft sells this official adaptive controller, which is the first of its kind in the gaming industry. It's modular, so you can add a foot pedal, for example, to press an A button or a joystick that you can use is separate from the rest of their buttons, designed primarily to meet the needs of gamers with limited mobility. The Xbox adapter controller is an, a unified hub for devices that helps make gaming more accessible. Input from the advocacy groups has helped shape the design, functionality, and packaging of the Xbox adaptive controller. The first interview is with Alex. She is visually impaired and giving you a good idea on her abilities and limitations. She uses a cane while walking outdoors and needs of a minimum of a font size of 16 on printed paper. Alex also has one fully functioning hand while her other hand has very limited range of motions and dexterity with her fingers. Playing a game with one hand and attempting to use both analog sticks on a controller is very, very difficult. But that doesn't stop her from enjoying video games. It just requires her to get a little bit more creative. So, welcome to the Accessible Airwaves there, uh, there Alex. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me a little bit more about your vision impairment? My vision impairment is more peripheral when with games because I can't see from the sides 
-hmm. And even on a game, like uh, when they hide a small item, that's usually when I have to try to zoom in to find it. Because even in the game, it's hard to see. Can you explain the limitations with your hand? With the one hand that you play with? Ah. Well, my limitation would be more like the bottom buttons. Because I, when I hold especially like a Switch remote, I hold it so that my thumb is on top working a lot of the buttons when using it one-handed. So it's more like you've, I've got to use somewhat my, like I have to go fast between the joystick on the bottom and the, uh, the A and B sort of arrow buttons on top. Okay. Gotcha. And then if it's if I'm using the shell that creates it so I have both sides, I have to spread out my fingers to use both sides, yet still be able to uh what's oh still be able to uh move it so that I can see everything on the screen. Gotcha. Because you have to see and also play at the same time with one hand. So they kind of have yeah. to do with with both. Um, yeah, could you explain the listeners how how is it difficult for because myself I can see clear as day. How's it di- is it difficult for uh, like like an able body person myself or anybody out there that with the uh, visually impaired and with one hand? How how is it different from with two hands and fully visioned? Well, with the one hand, like, you have to make sure to balance your remote as well as to be able to use the controls of it. Okay. Especially if you don't really have a table to uh, put the remote on. Mm -hmm. And then another thing is, depending on how much you can see on the screen at a certain time or while you're playing overall. Like if you have a uh, close range of your, like if you have a close range visual, like you can see a lot on the screen or a small amount on the screen, depending like your vision. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. And sometimes when zooming in, it can make it so you can't really see at all mm-hmm. or you're too zoomed out. You uh, have to zoom in again. Gotcha. Okay. Cause the zoom so- itself, that button is kind of like uh, if you're using the, uh, the toggle remote and you're trying to just get it right, but you uh, keep juggling it around. Gotcha. So you kind of have to do a lot of things at once. Yeah, it's kind of like taking the perfect picture, but you can't get it still enough camera. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what kind of video games do you play? The games I play are mostly like Mario or Pokemon. And the uh, Oh, and racing games. Okay. Um, what kind of um, like 
uh, settings do you put on your console? I guess. I didn't really use much settings. I used like uh, I just could. I just tried to use the remote, depending on if it would have an advantage in the game or not. Okay. But okay. like in something like Mario Kart, you can hold your remote sideways if it's the one piece and just turn it like a race car, like if you had the wheel mm-hmm. accessory. Okay. Okay. Got it. Uh, could you please tell the listeners how hard is it to use one hand to play video games? It depends on the game, I think. Like, if you have something like either a battle game like either Zelda or even if you do stuff like Minecraft and Halo, it's it's depending how fast you have to be to to react to if there's a character attacking you. Or if it's more slow, like you're just walking around and exploring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So it's how fast you can react to your character, or if you just have it easy and you're just discover and you just don't have to worry about just being taken out. Game over. Mm-hmm. So the role playing games are a little bit easier than the action ones. Yeah, and even the racing ones are easier. It's just if you don't want to lose. Gotcha, gotcha. Like uh, the, the one of the first Zelda games they put on Switch, which was uh, the Breath of the Wild, had really like they make it more realistic, but the gra- with the graphics, but it's harder to, to actually see them. Mm-hmm. And so depending like how- on the, uh, like, in certain mm-hmm. games, if you're trying to find, like, a little item, like, if your character runs by it or you're just looking for this item, they're hard to find because mm. you can't really see them. Mm. So how do you uh, see them? Do you, uh, like, uh, make the picture bigger or make it easier to see for you <laughs> when you're doing this game? <laughs> Sometimes if they have a zoom in mode, it does work. But if not, you usually have to uh, circle around that area with your character until you find that item. Okay. Are you learning about new uh, settings as you uh, play other games that you buy or play along? Yeah, when I originally bought Mario Kart, I didn't know and sort of discovered that I could use my remote like one of the steering wheels you buy. I was just using it as a side originally, and then I turned out if you turned it one way or another, you could use it like a steering wheel to drive your cart. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm guessing you kind of... uh see what kind of settings that you could use for playing with one hand or to trying to see a little bit better as you play along too as well i'm guessing yeah okay yeah sort of now that i've figured out the adaptable settings i'm gonna try to uh see how i can use that to my best advantages in some of the games yeah because now these days there uh, a lot of people most of the game of uh, the people who made the games are trying to make it more adaptable for people like yourselves, myself, you know, 
to see how uh, you can could do it with one hand or visually impaired, not too visually impaired, but you know, if you can kind of <laughs> see how it, it works out for them for their their experience experience because a lot of yeah make like making playing. more games so that a uh, multiple amount of people can play them. Mm -hmm. True. Uh, are you going to get any more consoles, or are you just going <laughs> to leave with the your Nintendo Switch, your N sixty four? And you're, I think yes. I'm good for now. Plus, the Switch is the latest in, in the like the good kind of like easy to play. Plus, it's access. Plus, with the uh, handheld one, like the one handheld remote, I'll just keep on that for now. Okay, okay. So you play Pokemon. Um, uh, how's it? Uh, do you play with one hand too with Pokemon? Because I know it's uh, the older style is you have to use two hands. But... Well, yes, when they one of the uh, one of the first games that they released, like especially Pokemon, was right after they released that app, Pokemon Go. So they mm -hmm. created, well, rebooted one of the original, like it's originally it was Game Boy Pokemon Yellow, which they released as mm -hmm. Let's Go Pikachu, where they took that same idea where you throw a Pokeball at a character. And you caught it, but mm -hmm. they did that. They created mm -hmm. that around the fact you used the one remote. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first games they released after the debut of the Switch. Okay. But yeah, because... Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was like... Sorry. The whole idea of the Switch was making it more accessible, especially under Nintendo. Because mm. like you said, Xbox and PlayStation... They do that more, but I idea with Switch was making it more accessibility friendly. You're tuned into Accessible Airways, and we're talking about accessibility in gaming. Accessibility has thankfully have been something of a focus in the games industry over the last few years as all the major console manufacturers have been have become more aware of some of the easy steps they can take to make their games more easily played by everyone. While Microsoft has blazed genuinely impressive trail ahead with the Xbox adaptive controller, which effectively makes controlling games a limitless adaptable business. Nintendo recently updated the Switch software with the all-important change that will do a lot of good as well, button remapping. This essentially means that you can now change which buttons activate which functions on the Switch Joy-Cons and the Pro Controller on the main Nintendo switching, which is hugely useful for certain buttons on controller are harder to use, such as the triggers. Previously, it was up to the developers of the games to allow in-game button mapping in their settings, but now it's available on every game. Alex had never heard of the 2020 Nintendo Switch update that allowed button mapping until recently. And this just allows her to play games that were previously extremely difficult beforehand. 
Online people share different button mappings for one-handed players for specific games. What all these developments lead to a better gaming experience for everyone? Essentially, this is implementing universal design theory and it's a win-win for everyone. Universal design is the design and composition of an environment so that can be accessed, understood, and used to the greatest extent possible by all people regardless of their age, size, ability, or disability. If an environment is accessible, usable, and convenient, and pleasure to use, and for everyone benefits. Context of gaming, impressive contributions have been made to accessibility and allowing as many people as possible to play. Let's take the Switch for example. Alex can now reconfigure buttons and allow her to use one Switch controller. If a pro gamer wants to reconfigure a button to their own choice, now they can. If I sprain or break a finger, at least I now can change the settings on the controller. PlayStation and Xbox does not have this ability to universally remap buttons, but we're hoping in the near future this happens. Uh, do you play on the big, big your TV or on the handheld device? Both, but again, it's if you can zoom in, it helps. But even on the uh, handheld, it only goes so far. Gotcha, gotcha. So probably the TV's a little bit better, I'm guessing. Yep, but still, again, you gotta zoom in depending how big or range you have to look around. Gotcha. Gotcha. What things should the game producers do for you to make games more accessible for you in the future? I think it would be interesting if they included in their games like a... uh, a review sheet that they could submit if they like to that gaming company about the game they've played. Mm-hmm. Like after they uh, play it and save it like to a certain percent, like five or so percent, a review sheet shows up. Okay. So something that's uh, kind of gives it a, like a five star review kind of thing. Yeah, and you could add like a comment or anything with if they need improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's has been the most frustrating game to play, and why is that? <laughs> I think it would be uh, some of the Lego games. Okay. Because they make I'm it gonna... so hard to even like mm-hmm. make it so you can understand what your character does or what direction you're supposed to go. Or even just using the controls to do different actions. Because sometimes, especially with Lego games, you can create stuff out of the Lego blocks, but you don't know how. Mm Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the Lego ones are a little more difficult for you, especially because you have to kind of figure out what kind of settings that you need to use. And usually those settings, like the buttons, have two different purposes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. What do you think 
about the new high contrast background in the new Ratchet and Clank game. They desaturate turns it to black and white and the background and leaves the key elements like enemies in full color to help them to stand out. Contrast options will include shaders for their heroes, allies, and enemies with 10 color choices. It depends your sight range with uh, the background color because depending on the background color scheme, if you could change some of those colors so that your sight does not get like you can see it better than worse because worse because in some cases like if you can see with uh, like brighter colors or darker colors it will blend together and not really be of use so if you could change some of those colors depending on your sight range then it would make it easier like I said, it, it's the range of the contrast of the colors, depending how you see stuff overall. Mm-hmm. Like in that promo video, the uh, the fact that the uh, main character you are was green with a black and white background or something mm-hmm. like that. I couldn't really see the character itself, but I could see the boxes and stuff because they were yellow. Okay, and all that stuff. Yeah. And I'd make sure, like, certain items, like, if I had to find or smash to uh, help me out, like, finding Mm -hmm. items like that were also a different color. Okay. But make sure, like, the colors aren't similar or uh, a completely different color so I could tell the difference. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Alex, did I miss anything during this interview? No, I don't think so. Okay, so thank you for joining us for uh, on this episode of Accessible Airwaves. Okay. Alex is legally blind gamer and plays her video games with primarily one hand. Thanks for talking with me over Zoom. Let's take us a moment to share an incredible story of how people who are blind beating Naughty Dogs 2020 The Last of Us Part 2, recognized by more than 300 Game Year Awards. The Last of Us Part 2 brings together audio narration of te- uh, screen text, sound controller vibration cues, audio assistant to the first in the world, slow motion combat, and combat modes to improve Playability for the blind and low vision gamers. There are audio cues that that will tell you which button to push, and even objects you're about to interact with. One reason this AAA game was so accessible was partly due to the fact there were a number of consultants. Brandon Cole was one of them. Brandon said, I quote, that when The Last of Us Part 2 came out, we launched the accessibility bar to the stratosphere. No epic game has ever done this, especially on this scale. 
it is finally a game made by a developer who cares about the totally blind people enough. They did everything necessary for us to play the game to completion, end of quote. Developers with guidance from Brendan oversaw the team that created pre-recorded screen reader narration for every choice players made in the game, from selecting menu items to retrieving and reading notes from the ground. This was a mammoth undertaking. Due to, to, due to their game engine technical limitation, Naughty Dog created an audio descriptions themselves and hired voice actors to read them, embedding the recordings sampled in 14 language directly into the action of the game. But they, they didn't stop there. At their discretion, players can activate an enhanced listen mode, basically a sonar ping for enemies and items. It navigates the player toward either the nearest item or the nearest enemy they're looking for. Have a listen. truth, the navigational assistant tool is a bit more complex than that. A technique called raycasting lets players manually cast an invisible spherical that scans a range of 30 meters in any directions by holding down the R1 button on the controller to scan the environment. Players can determine their distance from objects and enemies. The duration of the sound they hear upon scanning indicates how far away things are, or if there's anything there at all. After a player knows what is in front of them or behind them, they can push the L3 analyst button while holding down the R1 button to navigate to the nearest waypoint to be a door, a wall, or an enemy. Brandon explains, I quote, I broke a window, then spent probably five minutes trying to get through it. Because jumping through a window is a precise thing. It basically means that you have to line up your character precisely with the window, and only then you will jump with the jump button to actually bring through, through, through. Otherwise, you just be jumping in place, end of quote. To alleviate the problem, the developers of Last of Us Part 2 incorporated something called Diverse Assistance. As certain trouble spots, hard-coded triggers predict users' intentions and automatically perform actions, such as jumping through a window or over a hole. They feature available as custom configuration option or default settings for users who select the game vision accessibility mode is one of the reasons Cole said he's able to play the game to completion without human assistance six times. The game has three main presets, each activating a bunch of accessibility options for different kinds of players. The three presets include vision, hearing, or motor accessibility modes. 
Many players who are disabled have praised The Last of Us Part 2 for allowing them to play a AAA titles and were hoping to hear more games adding these features in the future. We leave with you one song from The Last of Us Part 2. The protagonist of the game, Ellie, sings a cover take on me by the AHA. You have been listening to Accessible Airways on Caesars W9.9 FM. Thank you for tuning in.